Counterculture Comic Podcast, and this week we are going to talk about something that is neither counterculture or comics. Um, but we at least we have something that at least two to sixty other podcasts only two to sixty other podcasts have, and that is a expert on the caliber where he has seen the movies, he's read the books, he's read the extended books. He's read the comics. He reads the news. He salivates over it. When Lucas himself calls up the faithful to finally throw overthrow the establishment, he will at least be a lieutenant in that army. I present to you Brock Beauchamp, Star Wars super nerd. Um, actually, I had my commission revoked because I was told last week that I know nothing about Star Wars. So I had to slink back into my hole, double down, triple my efforts, and you know, I the internet just knows no, you have more to than I do. Your, you know what the funny you, thing is? You have is, to double your efforts. Yeah, well, no, I had to triple my efforts because obviously this person was so far above and beyond me. But it was funny because then later when I rebutted his point and actually quoted something from a novel, he said, "Oh, congratulations! So you read a book I haven't. You still don't know anything about Star Wars." <laughs> Literally word for word what he said to me. <laughs> oh, the fucking internet, man. Uh, the fucking internet. Um So so everyone, this is to what this is what I'm referring to. Um so we we've talked about Star Wars before. Uh when we talked about comics, we reviewed uh the uh, the Leia comic, the Dark Darth Vader, Darth Vader comic. comic yeah. Um, uh, did we to, do Star Wars? I don't think we did the one we, book that yeah, I actually I think, enjoy. I think we did. We did, actually, actually we did. Yeah, We um, did, because we had something to compare the what we didn't like about everything else. Yeah, um, and that, that book actually continued to get better, so the problems I had in the first volume kind of washed away because they had to lead with Darth Vader, which doesn't make any sense in the context of the p- immediately following A New Hope. But... um. Yeah, I mean, it's far and away, although I've fallen a little bit behind recently. I've heard Phasma's pretty good, although I didn't like the novel. Um, but I need, I need to catch up on probably a couple dozen Star Wars comics now. All right, well, I, I, I'm behind. So, you know, may, maybe Sergeant. Yeah, really. Uh, Sergeant level. Um, but he'll, he'll be, you know, he'll be there. I mean, when Lucas calls, I mean... He may even, you know, he may be even in a basement when Lucas calls. Yeah. <laughs> um, I probably will. I'll probably be playing Battlefront too. Yeah. So uh, he may climb out and then join the faithful. Yeah. So um, here he is. And, uh, of course, we're talking about uh, uh, Last Jedi. Movie. Is that what it's called? And yeah. The Last Jedi. <laughs> um, and, is that uh, singular or plural? I can't believe people were asking that question before the movie. Literally, the <laughs> scroll of The Force Awakens says, Luke Skywalker, comma, The Last Jedi, comma. <laughs> and then Snoke says in Force Awakens, The Last Jedi must not, or must be found, or something like that. I can't remember the exact line. Like it, Luke Skywalker is literally referred to as The Last Jedi twice in Force Awakens. Um, but I love the shit out of this movie. Um, I mean, if you hate this movie, you're probably not going to like this podcast. 
because this is, in my opinion, the most Star Wars movie since Return of the Jedi. It's probably the best Star Wars movie since Empire. So what qualifies this movie as the best since Empire for you? Okay, it's got... First off, it's got surprise. Um, It's not... It is the first movie since Empire that has legitimately tried to push the Star Wars universe forward. And, you know, we pan George Lucas for the prequels, as we should. But the prequels were mired in a problem that they could not escape, in that they were leading up to movies you had already seen. They had to pay homage to what came before because they were literally setting up what came before. The Force Awakens, the first half of it, I, I loved it. I adored uh, Ray Finn Poe. But then it turned into the Han Solo show. The entire third act was just A New Hope slash Return of the Jedi mashed together. It was just paying tribute to what came before. And I, I totally get why Abrams did it. He wanted to show people that the old Star Wars is back. Well, you know, that had its place, I guess. I just don't think it needed to be quite as as dominant over the theme whereas the last jedi it's theme from front to back every single piece of it and the more you examine it the more you see it's the case it's about destroying the old and replacing it with the new and that's to me what star wars is while still retaining the core overarching theme of all of star wars which is hope And so this is the most Star Wars movie I've seen since I was a little kid. Now, do you think that the... So, Last Jedi rejects a lot of things that were created in, or basically introduced or reintroduced in Force Awakens. Mm -hmm. Do you think it... Do you think it overdoes that at all? That it kind of... It, it a little too forcefully takes what every <clears throat> basically everything that was built up in Force Awakens and says, no, that thing that it was working towards here, that's just that's just not going to happen. Yes and no. It's really something that I bounce back and forth on a lot is because there's a couple things that flag me as being like, well, how much of this was intended and how much of this wasn't like. Ryan, uh, Ryan Johnson started working on the script, I believe, while The Force Awakens was still in production. Um, so The Force Awakens was still being like principal photography. And when J.J. Abrams read the script for The Last Jedi, he said, I want to, I want to direct this movie. I'm so sad I don't get to direct this movie. And J.J. Abrams was the executive producer, kind of a quasi-George Lucas role um, in The Last Jedi. He very much had his hand in, and he's the one who wrote The Force Awakens. And he knew that Ryan Johnson was writing these things as he was producing The Force Awakens. So from an artistic standpoint, I mean, is it, is it bait-and-switching baiting and switching the audience or is it an actual disconnect i i don't know i don't have the answer for that 
Um, I mean, it certainly seems it, some of it's so jarring <clears throat> that it seems like it's the. Uh, it, I guess because it's so jarring, it comes off as a as almost like a difference of opinion. Um, it does. The, uh, yeah. but, I mean, now if it is if it is that cohesive, you know, if it was this sort of plan, then that makes it a pretty brilliant plan to basically shake up everything but it does still come off a little it does come off a little weird it um, does feel really jarring i mean when luke throws the lightsaber over his shoulder um you know that the end of force awakens was really just this beautiful scene of ray handing luke his old lightsaber and then you know you you about 20 minutes into the last jedi you finally get back to them yeah. Oh, by the way, spoiler. Uh, oh, yeah, we're going to spoil is, the shit out of this, obviously. Yeah, so we haven't really said any spoilers to this point, but yeah, yeah uh, everything beyond this is probably pure spoiler. Yeah, and Luke throws it over his shoulder. I mean, my eyes just got the size of, you know, dinner plates. I was like, what? what? Like, that was the first of many times this movie was going to shock the shit out of me and frankly it's about goddamn time a star wars movie shocked the shit out of me well i think the one of the things and I, I, again uh i don't think any of us are the first to say this but it is about the first time we've seen somebody take star wars and said i am going to make a movie yes i'm going to make a movie that is set in star wars Irving um, Kirshner but, was the last one to do it empire yeah it's like I, but, well, Rogue but One, make... actually, we should probably give a nod to Rogue One there as well. Yeah, Rogue One really was did did have the ability to you know go outside because all it had to do was end a certain way. Yeah. Um, the uh, which unfortunately I, I still felt that because I, I think the the film was too conscious of that fact. Um, mm -hmm. That was my my biggest problem with the movie was is the film was too conscious of the fact that they wouldn't be coming back. Yeah. Um, the uh, so I, I would have felt it a lot better if the if if it didn't seem like the characters knew. That's fair. Yeah. You know, the uh, um, so that was my that was my biggest issue with it. It felt it felt too on rails. Um, <clears throat> but um, uh, but this movie felt like. Somebody was going to make a movie that had um, that they wanted to make sure that they were able uh, they were going to shake things up. In the end, it was going to be a good movie. And however, somebody dealt with after this was kind of going to be, you know, up to them to, you know, deal with what comes out of it comes out of this movie afterwards. Yep. Um, and it's going so, back to Abrams. So. Yeah, it's going back. It's going back to Abrams. So I guess we have to assume that Abrams was, you know, is pretty much on, on board. board the, yeah, yeah, oh, pretty much on board. Yeah, and then you have, um, and of course, the Czar of Star of Star Wars signed off on it. Yeah. So the uh, um, we have, I mean, for this we got a movie that, while it has some things that felt a little weird, um, the uh, and. And there, I think there, I think there was some character utilization that that, that didn't seem to come, you know, like there's a character that doesn't completely justify their his existence yet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, well, let's go ahead and just talk about that for a minute because this yeah. is a big fan thing on the internet, to which I probably say fuck off. Mm -hmm. um, 
Snoke dies suddenly and quite brilliantly, um, mm-hmm. which basically means that Ryan Johnson simply moved forward the storyline of Return of the Jedi one movie earlier, and Snoke, just like the Emperor, was nothing more than a vessel in the battle of good and evil. Now, the Emperor was about father and son, son redeeming father. That's that's what the Emperor's role was in the original trilogy. <clears throat> in this, it's actually Snoke is the catalyst for Kylo to never be able to go back. Yeah, it I, is. I think I think people misunderstand that that Snoke is not a major. Snoke is is a uh, is a supporting character in this story. The uh, and had had a had a role to fill. He's not even and, really a supporting character. He's literally a cardboard cutout. He is, and, and and that means that you know while I'm sure that you know the, the the super you know super nerds really want to know a lot more about Snoke. We'll find out about him. Yeah, we'll we'll find out somewhere. Um, but really, the thing is, is that he uh, Kylo Ren is the is the main antagonist of the story and it has to there has to be a story about how kylo ren Ren becomes irredeemable and you think about kylo ren what we're seeing in kylo ren's story is what we should have seen in anakin's story he is very he is slowly drifting toward the dark but it is punctuated by very much draw a line in the sand you can never go back from this point First was killing Han Solo. Now in this movie, it's killing Snoke. That's the linear progression of a character falling into evil that we should have seen with Anakin. We didn't. He just kind of tottered around and then all of a sudden was a terrible person who killed younglings. Um, but people, Yeah, he, that, yeah. that was, is never fully supported in those movies. No, at all. Like, like at all. Like, Child murder is not something that you 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 really you really have to build to you that can, moment. You really have to build <laughs> to that one. Otherwise, it's like, <clears throat> whoa, there was something wrong with this guy from the beginning that somebody should have seen. <laughs> and people are like, well, we deserve to know about Snoke. Fuck you! You don't deserve to know anything. Do you know what the em- or you know what Lucas didn't tell us about the Emperor in the original trilogy of films? His fucking name. Yeah, that's right. We literally just knew him as the Emperor. Literally nothing was known about him. Not a single thing. Now, the novelizations had some, a little bit more references to him, including his name and a few other things. But the films didn't, didn't, well, baby going off in the background. Um, Mm -hmm. The films didn't even mention his name. He is nothing more than a mechanism to move forward the characters you care about. Now, we have all the time in the world to go back and uh, deal with Snoke and tell his story. Um, By the way, learning his name wasn't, wasn't that impressive. He was more impressive as the Emperor than he was as Darth Sidious or Palpatine. The, uh, yeah. neither, neither one of those names were that impressive. Just the emperor was was far more it made him far more sinister. And then they gave him a first name, and it's the worst first name in the history of the world. It just totally just castrates him. What's Sheev. his first name? Sheev. 
Hey, Sheev. What's up? I'm going to be emperor someday. All right, Sheev. All right. Hey, hey, it's a really it's a really popular name where I come from. All, all right, Chief, that's yeah. great, great Chief. The uh, the uh, so um, cool. Um, yeah, uh, give me your lunch money, kid. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's a it's a horrible name. Um, not you can't it, when making up names for fictional characters. They can't all be zingers. No, um, no, they sure can't. Yeah, and it's really just a terrible name. But anyway, that's oh wait digression that we don't need to really break down um yeah it, it, people are upset about this and it's like they forgot the context of oh no a f- fire truck's going by i mean this is just how this is gonna be <laughs> this is awesome um, yeah really really great um maybe i do need to go into the basement uh but you know it's like people there's a couple things that really fascinate me about the backlash to this film one of them is People are completely ignoring the fact that there's another movie coming. There's an entire another two to two and a half hours of movie that we're going to get to finish up some of these dangling plot points. They might tell us where Snoke came from. We don't know anything. I mean, we haven't even found out what's up with the other Knights of Ren. Remember? There were more. Yeah, well, they say that he left with some of them. Yeah. The, uh, so we, and they showed them in the um, in Force Awakens through like a flashback dream thing. Oh yeah, okay. <clears throat> yeah, just briefly, but we don't know any of that. So are we going to find out about them? Are we going to find out, you know, what Snoke was training them to do, and thereby learn more about where Snoke came from, or do we just not give a shit? You know, that can be done in novelizations or future films or whatever. The other part is is like there i really wonder and i actually on the star wars forum i was participating on until christmas when i just lost my shit and just walked away from it because there were so many people just completely doing their internet fanboy bullshit where it's like this is literally the worst movie in the star wars universe and i'm like fuck you attack of the clones like (laughs) in it in a world where the prequels exist, this cannot be the worst Star Wars movie. Because I watch the prequels. You know, they're kind of a secret shame of mine. I still, you know, watch them, but I know they're bad movies. You know? Yeah, they're they're even they're they age they even age horribly. Yeah. And unfortunately they, they are tougher to watch now than they were back then. Mm-hmm. Um it and unfortunately, because Star, uh, the original Star Wars, of course, had that worn, you know, worn look of everything being yeah, broken CGI down and polish. Yo, know, yeah, the, the that's I mean, and part of that is not entirely Lucas's fault. It was the technology of the time was not, you know, as perfect to make what he was trying to do look, yep. um, look as living as it could look now. Um, unfortunately, though. You can forgive a lot of things if the movie is still pretty good. Yeah, but the wooden uh, acting, the choppy editing, like everything else there. And this is what I kept repeating. They are objectively bad movies. The edit- editing's choppy. The acting's wooden. The stories are, frankly, in a lot of ways, unnecessarily boring. Um, you know, they're, they're just not good. That doesn't mean you can't like them. I like lots of bad things. I've seen Point Break a hundred times. 
Oh man, I that's that's something I wouldn't admit to. Oh uh, god, I love Point Break, but it's fine to like I would, shitty I, things. I don't, I don't think I would admit that to myself, much less <laughs> anybody else. It's fine <laughs> to like shitty things, but just the fact that you like something shitty does not make it good, unless you take this individual philosophical argument that, however, art is viewed by the individual, it dictates its quality, which means nothing can ever be bad or good. It just is. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I I just I was like I was instantly thinking of the of of almost the entire run of Transformers movies <laughs> and I'm like yeah I I know yes there's people out here that go yeah these are great because they make money and um uh, but I mean man I I I still don't know I I I I want to believe that those are cardboard cutouts of people that that somehow get shoved into movie seats well that's a great example. I mean, that's a great example. It is of, you know, just because something's popular and there are people out there who like it, it doesn't mean it's good because if we don't view art in the aggregate as a, of a society, you can't judge it at all. Um, and the prequels, by the modern standards of filmmaking, writing, directing, and all these things, are objectively f- bad films. Uh, well, maybe no, not Revenge no. of the Sith. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We don't have to say mod. We don't have to put modern in there. True. <laughs> they, 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 were, they were they were objectively bad. <clears throat> I mean, okay, if you put them out in the fifties, people would have been like, "Wow, special effects!" Yeah, exactly. <laughs> then somebody no, would have gone. George Lucas would have been burned at the stake as a witch. <laughs> yeah, um, that's true. But you know, they're bad films, and you can't say this is the worst Star Wars film because it's obviously not. Um, and I wonder if a lot of this is coming from people under the age of maybe as old as 35 who basically experienced the prequels as children, didn't realize they were terrible movies, have kept watching them, not realizing that they're still terrible movies. And, you know, our generation already got punched in the face by the prequels. Like, we know what it's like to be let down by a truly terrible Star Wars film. Um, well, we, and we grew up with, we grew up in the age where, the, where at least the two, I mean, our generation, we, were, we got to grow up with watching two of the mo- newer movies come out. Um, the, uh, you know, the original one was sort of, we were not aware of anything. Yeah, we were six months old. Yeah. Yeah. So... Um, but the, certainly the other movies we got to see, you know, uh, at least definitely return to the Jedi. We were fully, yeah, yeah, we were able to watch everything. And of course, um, you know, this was still in the time when a lot, when, uh, these movies replayed in theaters. So we actually got to see a lot of these in theaters. Yep. Got to go back and Uh, watch them in theaters over and over again because, you know, Star Wars released multiple times, uh, in theaters. So we grew up with the originals. And then the prequels came out, and we're like, ooh, this is kind of shit. But I wonder if, like, this younger generation hasn't really gone through that, and they somehow have tricked themselves into thinking the prequels aren't terrible movies. Oh, it's um, nostalgia. It, it, maybe it's just it, it's it's their nostalgia. nostalgia for it. Yeah. Yeah. It's. I mean, their nostalgia is the. Those are the ones that they saw first. Yep. Um, the, uh, and so that's their nostalgia. And then they see the, then they saw the old ones and they go, well, you know, the old ones are good, but it's kind of, you know, this is the, uh, 
um, this is you know definitely another generation. Um, and then the new ones come back, and of course, whatever all of us wanted to see was like we wanted to see the prequels completely <laughs> erased from virtually everybody's memory. But there is a definitely a, a people out there that this is what they uh-huh. grew up with. This is what they grew up with. Yeah, I actually cool. don't even want to see the prequels erased. There's a lot of things I like about the prequels. I just thought they were really badly managed by Lucas. Um, he had a lot of great themes. He had a lot of great ideas. It just wasn't executed well. Um, you know, the sad thing is, is I read, read, read recently that um, he he actually, um, when he saw, when he saw um, uh, Phantom Menace, the first time when they were when they were streaming streaming it, mm-hmm. he said he wasn't actually happy with it. Um, he felt that he he but he felt that unfortunately he had basically run out of time, um, and he he was he some of the things that we complain about that movie for, mm-hmm. um, he saw, but his his time when his timeline he was when everything was all of a sudden done he couldn't really go back and fix it. Yeah, so I mean, it's not. So it's not really. I, 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 you feel bad in a way. You kind of feel bad for him because you're like, this is a, this is a backlash that you probably have to imagine he saw coming. But of course, then Clone Wars is not, you know, great either. Yeah, if, if um, not lifted by the performance of Owen McGregor, <laughs> um, Clone Wars would be completely unwatchable. Yeah, or and, no, I mean, Attack of the Clones. Sorry. Attack of the Clones, sorry, and then, um, uh, and then you have Revenge of the Sith, which is which half is of a pretty basic. good movie. Yeah, it's half, but mostly, but m- mostly, so much of it is so poorly supported. That, yeah, that's that the problem. Yeah. All the all the motivations and Anakin, action are you're breaking my heart. Yeah, are all it's she all lost the will to live. Yeah, there, there's oh, no the way, there's no way you ever put that writing to paper. No, uh, it, it, not even a first draft. That's not even first draft. But like see, that, Lucas, that line never gets said. Lucas was notorious for that thing. But there's a, there's like a je ne sais quoi of charm that in the original trilogy that he's allowed to get away with a lot of it, but. It's just so wooden and choppy in the prequels that you just you just cringe when you hear it. Well, that that particular line never should have been said. Um, that never should have been written. You never actually, in in no way, manner, shape, or form, do you get the ability to say she's to lost pull, the will to live. You can never pull that off. No, you just can't. No, it's I mean, a terrible just line. Just terrible. I mean, as much as I said, as much is. I think the dialogue for the original movies is, uh, you know, is sometimes so uh, only works in that context of the epic, you know, the epic nature of those films that uh, translated, you know, transplanted into some other movies. It probably would be, you don't, you know, I don't think you could pull that off in a lot of other places. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, but it works. I mean, we, the literally the, the the dialogue between the dialogue between um, Obi Wan and Darth Vader is so it, it, it in that face off it works, but transplant that kind of style and it it really kind of falls. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I the uh, the uh, when when last I saw you, you know, uh, I was but the what well, I was, I was but the learner. No, I am the master. That's good. Yeah, and um, Tarkin, I should have recognized your files fall stench when I was brought on board. Um, I mean, it's just so schlocky, but it, when surrounded by the charm of the rest mm-hmm. of the movie, you're kind of like, okay, that's actually kind of it's kind of cheeky and fun, <gasps> and you know. And by the way, nothing destroys the charm of Tarkin. Like watching a movie that, okay. Um, so we've been watching Mystery Science Theater three thousand. Oh the new yeah, one. he was in some real bad movies back in the day. Well, he was he was a he was a very popular he was a very common horror movie actor. Yeah, and Christopher also, Lee basically. Yeah, he, he also did sci-fi movies and whatnot. He did a sci-fi movie called At the Earth's Core. It is, it, it, okay, first of all, it's in Mystery Science Theater 3000. So you know that it's there for a reason. Yeah. And you get to watch him walk around as a doddering kind of science, you know, scientist, like lethal scientist. And then you look at it and that realize that movie came out in 1975. <laughs> Within two years, two years of stars. Within two years of Star Wars, so I was really I, I I'm looking at him in this movie and I'm going I I'm trying to see Tarkin in here and I can't see Tarkin. <laughs> He's literally. I mean, I look at, it, at Tarkin and I go, "Wow, the uh, he really um, they really did a transformation for him." But it's really hilarious. It, it made me. I, I can't see Tarkin the same way again after seeing that him in that movie. Well, George Lucas loves that kind of thing. I don't think it's coincidental at all that he cast Peter Cushing in that role, and then later, when he had the chance to cast Christopher Lee, he's like, "I'm all over this." Mm-hmm. Um, he loved, you know. I mean, that's the whole, you know idea of star wars is that 50s and 60s sci-fi uh schlockiness that um both of them were known for um but while well, we've gone way 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 off track um <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait. we were talking there's a newer movie right we talked about a new movie yeah yeah oh so yeah i just don't get people who have the vitriol for the last jedi i mean i can kind of understand where it's coming from in the extent of people have had, what, 34 years to build up their personal idea of what Luke, Leia, and Han did immediately following, you know, s- sitting there smiling and laughing while Ewoks banged on Stormtrooper helmets. Um, so we've all built up this idea, and I think there's no way that people weren't going to be let down by this series because simply by creating episodes 7, 8, and 9, you had to admit that Luke, Leia, and Han failed because there's no story if they hadn't. Yeah. So people have built up this idea of, and they all lived happily ever after, but yet when you clamor for the fact that we want a 7, 8, and 9 you have to break that notion, you, you, that kind of dream, idealistic dream you have of how these characters just saved the galaxy and everyone lived peacefully and forever. 
Well, and you have to actually uh, the the part of it is that there's a there's a wide open gap in that whole thing, and and that is that the at the end of Return of the Jedi, they the Emperor's dead, you know, Vader's dead, the um, the new Death Star is, is destroyed, but it's also wide open that the Empire is this really large thing. Yeah. The uh, um, and you know with somebody. Uh, it has been lampooned a few times where it's like, oh, so it's just all over, right? We lose, you know. Uh, yeah, and uh, Emperor's dead. So, I mean, the 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 rebels were always were always a relatively small group against the Empire, which was the basically the government of the galaxy at the mm-hmm. time. So the the uh, there is a lot to there was still so much to work with that. Um, the first order, it's like, yeah, when you see the first order, you're like, well, yeah, of course, because there was something left after the empire. Yeah. And that's, they had to write in the battle of Jakku and like, I don't know if you know this, but the star destroyer that Ray is pillaging, um, Mm -hmm. in the beginning of force awakens is a remnant of the battle of Jakku. That was basically the downfall of the empire. And it happened about a year after return of the Jedi. It was their big last stand. And the Empire got their ass kicked. They took what they had left, and they fled to the Unknown Regions, and later became the First Order. That's basically yeah. the story of what happened. I basically I was looking up information because I, w- I, I was curious if they if they had any backstory on Snoke. Um, and then that's where they mentioned that he he get he hooks up with them after they fled. Yep. Yep. Uh, sometime after, don't know the story of it at all, but. Yeah, I mean, there's all this stuff that needed to be picked up. And, you know, it, this is part of the reason why I was kind of lukewarm on Disney buying Lucasfilm in the first place. Is I wasn't sure I wanted a 789. Because I knew that, well, they're going to have to tell some stories that aren't going to fit my personal viewpoint of what happened after Endor. So I'm just going to kind of have to prepare myself for some things that I'm not going to 100% agree with, and that's okay. I mean, that doesn't make a story good or bad just because it's not the way you visioned it. Well, that's a, so getting back to this, um, I think we can stop defend, defending uh, Last Jedi as mm-hmm. certainly not the, la- not the worst Star Wars movie. Yeah. So let's get back on, on our, I think, a shared belief that this is one of the best. Yes. And what's, why? What's your favorite aspect of this film? Um, I my favorite aspect is that one of the things it destroyed is the fact that the thing that the secret plan always works. You know the this uh, the um, even though there's hiccups along the way the um, the the small the small little party plan where people try and you know mm-hmm. do something sneaky and underhanded and then they'll get in there and they'll bring down the big thing that doesn't work in this movie it it actually comes down to um you know when you basically have when when they're trying to shut shut down what i heard somebody uh, refer to as the the glowy box um yes. <laughs> that, that um, when they go and try to shut that down, that fails. And not only does it fail, it doesn't eventually succeed. It just fails. Mm-hmm. 
the um, that entire that entire wing of that is a is kind of a, is kind of a rejection of the invasion of the uh, of uh, sneaking into the Death Star. Mm-hmm. The uh, it is saying you know no this is we're actually people are actually going to have to make smart decisions or the best decisions they can at the time and in this case the the people in charge you know the people who you know who make the generals in this case are making decisions that actually make sense so i i think I, it was kind of an interesting concept that we get to watch finally we get to see it where you know it comes down to a a a real struggle for the rebels as they face um as they face uh defeat after defeat and they pull they literally really have to pull victory from the jaws of defeat and um, yeah yeah and it's not just it's it, 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 again it's not it's not the it's not the victory you see coming no no not at all and it's the it's the it's the victory that they that the characters that ha, have to they earn have to fight they earn they and earn so that's what I victory that's what I, yeah that's, be. that's what I feel I feel at the end of that story that victory was the victory was earned and it was hard fought and loss and, and there were real losses that that made sense except for Leia probably could have exited at a certain time yeah uh, yeah it's really unfortunate that. They couldn't have replaced Haldo's sacrifice with Leia, but then you would have had to cut the Leia Luke reunion, which absolutely needed to happen. Which I somebody said this, not my idea, um, and they said this, and they, it totally would have made sense if they had put her on the uh, if they had put her on the ship, mm-hmm. turning around. Uh, if somebody's going to project anyway, yeah. That would have been the place. That that would have been the place to have a. Um, but yeah, it might have thrown off the reveal. It would have thrown off the reveal, which was a fantastic reveal. But yeah, to go more into your point, everything about this movie is about failure. Every character fails. It's actually one of those things where you sit back and you think about it, and you're like, "Holy shit! When's the last time I saw that in a movie of this kind?" that is very much a, a kids movie and you know you know generally warm and fuzzy a lot of the time maybe too much so but i mean everyone fails <clears throat> everyone luke. screws up yeah even luke fails i mean it's, it's this whole the, in fact the the entire thing is about luke's failure i mean the uh this i mean basically the entire series as we find out now is basically about luke's failure yep and my this good transition. Um, my favorite aspect of the film is Luke. Uh, a lot of people are up in arms about how he gave up. Well, isn't that kind of what the Jedi do? Um, yeah, you didn't see Luke and or you didn't see Obi Wan and Yoda, you know, forming a militia and going after the Emperor. Emperor, they ran and hid, kind of like little bitches. If you're going to be frank about it. Well, they kind of, and, and they basically said, "Well, the younger generation will take care." Of it. Yeah, <laughs> we'll train them. We'll, we'll we'll be out here for them to find when they when they decide they want to find us. You know, and Luke sacrificed himself for the younger generation. And but I love the old beaten down Luke who just wants nothing to do with the Jedi, and he 
he is such an important point in this trilogy, in my opinion, in that Star Wars is kind of one of the things about this movie is that it's cyclical. It's showing that if you defeat the Empire, the Empire just comes back and you do it all over again. So you're you're basically, you know, and if it wasn't the Empire before the Empire, it was the Separatists. And this cycle of destruction just keeps happening where the Force has Jedi, has Sith. They clash, something happens, one side retreats, they come back again, and you repeat the cycle. Luke realizes that the Jedi are a large part of the problem. And he, so he says, fuck it. I'm out. And he's going to shut it down because if you read the novels and the watch the films and whatnot, Luke has always been riddled with self-doubt. He's always second-guessing. He, he, he has this enormous burden placed on his shoulders of reinstituting probably the most important organization in the galaxy, the Jedi Order. He's ill-prepared. He's poorly trained. He doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. And, yeah, he fails. That's going to so, break anybody. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, you know, Obi-Wan certainly has no, uh, as, you know, when we, we find him, he's hiding on Tatooine. Um, he has certainly no... You know, for people who—I mean, actually, the funny thing is—is is Mark Hamill himself had the uh, had a different when they first talked about his criticism. He felt that that Luke wouldn't have given up, mm-hmm. but I honestly think that I think I hate to say it, but I think he's kind of wrong. <laughs> I think he is as well. I, I really I think, do. I think that everything that's presented about that character and 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 even the other ones is yeah, even these even these characters they can still lose hope. Mm-hmm. The, and, uh, and what is Star Wars about at its core, um, as far as characters go? It's about the failings of the Skywalker family. It's about the fallibility of the Skywalker <clears throat> family. Um, this is one thing when people said Ryan Johnson doesn't doesn't understand or respect Star Wars, I think he understands and respects it better than most other people. I mean, everything about the seven movies, or six movies, uh, primarily up to this point is about the fallibility of the Skywalker family. In fact, the, the last real remaining member, I mean, the last real remaining member of the Skywalker family. Okay. I mean, Leia's mostly going to be written out of the last movie. Unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. I mean, is Kylo Ren. Yep. And, and so we, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're, we're left with the, with the, we have transitioned to where the only remaining, remaining Skywalker is the villain? Yep. The yep. Uh, and so we, and and we have, you know, and in a great reveal, which was kind of a uh, you know the re- again a rejection was, uh, the um, uh, the history you know the the parents the uh, you know the parents of um, Ray or no Ray. one. Thank God, I love you, Ryan Johnson. I want to kiss you. They were junkers. Yeah, they were junkers. They're, you know, they, uh, they're, they're never they're buried in a back. pauper's field or something like that. Yeah, they're never coming back. It's like they're they're nothing. They're nothing to the story. They're nothing to you. She is 
she is quite literally the a fresh start mm-hmm. in the entire universe for uh, for this. She is she is not uh, she is not what the series has hovered around for its entire time. Which, of course, is a, is a departure. I think, of course, what what Lucas wanted for Lucas. This was a family soap opera from from beginning to end. So the uh, if he had done seven eight nine we would have been tracking almost entirely the skywalkers all the way through um so i think we still will i still think star wars the main franchise will always be the story of the skywalker family i don't know how they'll get there but there's plenty of ways that they could i I think that they've they've ruled this out i think they've ruled this out before but i think once they finish with um once they finish with nine i think there's going to be a real uh temptation to rest the Skywalker line for uh, for a, a few movies. I think they will as well uh, and Ryan Johnson is doing his own trilogy completely separate. Yeah, and, and I mean they said they're doing something else in the same way. I honestly think that they would have they 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 could have they should open up the door and go back into the old republic. Absolutely. Um, it's just waiting they, to be tapped. It's waiting, and everybody's saying it's right there. The uh, we, like one of the most popular video games for this thing, yeah. you know, was very successful in in play, in going back into that history, um, and did a great job of it. You have all this this place to play in. Go for it. Mm-hmm. Um, now, there is one thing that there is one thing that I have not seen a true justification for in this movie. What's that? And which is a shame because I think he's a great character. And that's Finn. God, what a waste! What a waste! We don't know. The problem is, is that we have we we, we can we can know what they're doing with Poe. We we obviously Ray. We know everything about that. Kylo Ren. We know what's going. Wh- where all these characters are going. We as Finn is becoming, it, 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 you know, initially seemed like part of the heart of the of the whole thing. Oh yeah, absolutely. And now I think they tried to keep that going in this one, but it it doesn't really. <clears throat> we keep trying to connect him to the other pieces, and he's not connecting well. I, I think he was definitely the weakest part of the film, and which is really unfortunate because his story was maybe the most important to the film, mm-hmm. and his his trip to Canto Bight, and basically the reawakening of hope with the little kid in the broom and the um the father race and or stealing the fathers or fathers however it's pronounced um the big horse things whatever mm-hmm. um you know that was really core to what the end of the, the movie did with the, the not tauntauns um the not eopies from the mm-hmm. prequels um it was really fundamental to the very end of the movie with the the rebellion has been reborn and finn was the center of that but i think this was one of the few missteps uh, johnson made with this film is he basically repeated finn's story arc from the force awakens yeah did i say finn or poe i meant finn. finn okay good now the problem with that is everyone else got to progress finn just got caught in a loop and repeated the exact same story arc that he did in the force awakens the only thing he wasn't doing at this point is he wasn't running away anymore um but he stopped running away at 
the end of the Force Awakens, it was his idea to go get Ray. Yeah. So I mean, that's the only thing. I mean, that's the only thing he didn't repeat. Um, the uh, but yeah, it's kind of a. I, I don't feel that character is like honestly. I felt that that you could have swapped him and Poe in that same situation. And not not bec- I'm, again. This is nothing against. It's that we want to see Finn do something more. But yeah. honestly, once that decision was made to to jump off and go somewhere else, you could have almost just put Poe there, doing it. And the uh, Finn is is not is not adding enough. No, he's not. And it, and, and I, I want and I wanted to. He was he's introduced as such a great character in the first movie yes. that I want to see him be integral in a way that is um, where. I want him to be as almost like I was thought to him. The way I see him in that story is that he is almost as important to the story as Ray is. Mm-hmm. He was introduced as such the major character in the, in the first movie that he should be as almost as important. The, uh, so I mix, I'm, I'm expecting that to see that. And I just didn't see that in this one at all. No, at um, all. Yeah. He was, he, 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 the way he comes in is almost, he comes into it almost as like, oh, hey, I'm still here, guys. You know, and, and I don't think that that was a fair, again, a fair treatment of the character. I, I, I don't think yeah. it was his, I don't think that his part of the story was as, <clears throat> came across as, I think they wanted it to come across as sounding really super important, but it didn't feel that way. No, and I actually think Rose detracted from his character. Um, I, because I think they too routinely fell to her to be the strong, smart one. And it just kind of put Finn in a, well, I'm just kind of here, guys. I'll just follow along role. Yeah. Um, where you and people have bitched about Poe's role as well, but you compare and contrast Finn and Poe. Poe is exactly who you think that guy would be in the beginning of the movie. He's like, I'm going to do this. I'm the best pilot in the galaxy. Nothing can stop me. I'm the best there is bitches. He's basically, he's basically a a character from Top Gun. He's Iceman or whatever. And it's it's actually really perfect. It's actually really perfect because Mm -hmm. we had that character before earlier in Star Wars. Yeah. And we actually get to see them poke holes in that character. Yep. Which is which is what makes that what which what makes Poe great is that we get to see him humbled, which is something that we didn't get to see in this kind of way, where the mm-hmm. his plan fails, his you know his way of of solving problems fails, and the way the movie ends, that story absolutely <clears throat> needed to happen because one thing that the writer controlled, one thing that the writer didn't control is the end of the movie happens. There's virtually nobody left. Poe got his ass kicked time and time again by people with more experience, more tempered, more reasonable in their, you know, gate judging of the situation. And he comes out of the other end as basically the de facto leader of the resistance. Yeah. You know, and hopefully- that character needed to go through that movie getting his ass 
handed to him over and over again so that in episode nine he steps up and he says okay this is on me he you know he is the leia organa he's the mon mothma he's you know admiral akbar he, he needs to be smart but he, needed, but he needed to be he needed to be smart yep. but he and, and we needed a a way for him to become tumbled and therefore advance so he yeah, now we, we did him to make that transition now we, can, now we can buy him as making smarter decisions exactly. where we may not have been able to do that before yeah i mean that's just that's solid storytelling right there yeah so it is said now to get back to some of the things that make this movie so great um the uh there are things that you see coming shortly before they start happening mm-hmm. but that only increases your anticipation for when they happen the hyperspace suicide scene is one of the most beautifully shot moments of film you'll see in the next five years. It, and you know what? Beautifully, uh, if if you're going to give a genre a, 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 a props, that is something that is uh, done in anime a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and when done when done well, it hits the mark. And this was it done perfectly. Oh, it's just gorgeous. Yeah. It, it's, Ten seconds of silence. Yep. The uh, and it where you just absorb what happened and just the 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 beauty of that singular moment, and uh, it's it's enough time for the audience you, to hear the audience go whoa. Yep. I mean, you could have heard a pin drop in the theater for those ten seconds. The theater, I saw it Thursday night, jam-packed theater. There wasn't a single, I don't know if a person in the theater was breathing. I heard some. I, I heard somebody inhale. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it was like a, like a <gasps> you know, that. It was just that gorgeous. Insane. It, it's, it's, it's gorgeous. And then it's that, it's that one, it's the time, it's the singular. And the, what's great about that moment also is it is the pivot in the movie? Yep, it's the the uh, the, the this is a, this is the point from where um, now things start to go well, poorly yep. for yeah go poorly for the first order. Yep, and <laughs> I mean, what well, they had already punctuate started, the film. They they were already starting to go poorly. I mean, because uh, Snoke is dead before that happens, mm-hmm. but. Not quite enough yet. That was that was the moment. I mean that 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 singular moment. And um, yeah, and I mean that that ten seconds of film is why we watch film. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's the, and that's what it's being. This is about it being a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that is a that is a scene that is not a Star Wars scene. It is a movie scene that is yes. that in any in it, when you build up to that scene happening. You're like this. This is um, this is where we can say this was a good movie. Yeah. It didn't need to be a good Star Wars movie. It just is. It was just a good. It was a great movie, where we things happened that were uh, that surprised us, and the, when things happened that didn't surprise us when they happened, they were built up to in such a way that they still took our breath away when they happened. Yep. And a lot of people said, "Well, why don't they just you know." strap a hyperdrive engine onto asteroids and use them as weapons. You know why not? Because it's Star Wars. You and know you what? know what? None also, of this series it, makes sense. 
No, it's it, you know what it, it, you could if you want to go make something that makes you want to make something that makes sense, go make two thousand one the space exactly. adventure something. Exactly. Go, go fucking go fucking do that. You're watching you're watching a a movie where people do there are lots of things that don't make uh, incredible like yes you want to apply uh, you want to do you want to take your uh, admiral logic to them? <coughs> no, they are not going to make sense yeah space I, wizards I, with lasers, laser swords Whatever. yeah and the the other thing that the, uh, there was only one thing that took me out of the movie slightly it bothered me what's that <laughs> I, I hated the bombers at the beginning of the movie i, I hated was them really i at why I, were they I so at, close i looked i looked at them and i go Really? We're in 1942 now. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm sorry. That was the that was the of all the things that I, I mean. I feel that you have to be realistic-ish. You know, I mean, you just have to be. There's some things that you you have to do where when you put these in here, you said I have to say, mm, slow moving slow moving bombers in a in a space battle where lots of things are flying around really fast and whatnot i just don't know if i can buy that yeah yeah, Uh, a little bit a lot of people were like well the bombs wouldn't fall on space and to that i just simply say first it's star wars who cares second but there's internal gravity in the ship the bombs would fall to the bottom of the ship and then they would just keep going the direction they were going i don't i i didn't really buy into the scene but whatever it's star wars man you know what if oh, we're, no, gonna, I, we're I, gonna pick I, I, shit I, I, apart you know explain mm-hmm. to me how what or why darth vader didn't pick up the millennium falcon on the way to bespin no that I, entire the, sequence is nonsensical well i just felt the, the only thing that i felt about it is i felt the bombers could have could have easily been replaced with just like the larger ships that we kind of had in um the original series you know, like the uh, um, the the larger fighter aircraft that were kind of like supposed to be quasi bombers. You mean the B wings? Uh, B wings. I think the you ones could have gone. That were shaped kind of like the bombers in this movie. Yeah, a little bit, but yeah. they moved faster. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think you could have gone with those, and I still think you could have told you could have told the same story, um, and had it feel less like a 1942 bombing run. Yeah, you know, or, I mean, that's that's the only thing. That's that, honestly a small a small clip about the movie. But I thought I, I the whole time I was watching that scene, I'm going, yeah, I, I, I don't really buy this. I'm I, I'm 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 still going to enjoy it. I'm going to get into the scene, but you kind of lost me with my my suspensions suspension of disbelief on this one is not is is holding on by a thread. <laughs> yeah, that was definitely not one of my favorite parts of the film. Um, I mean, there was there were pieces about that that were um, again I said small small gripes, but um, I still loved I mean the uh, and the the end of the the um, the parts where they changed what the force did. Um, I felt with the exception of, with with the exception of the flying ghost uh, Leia, uh, space flying space ghost Leia. Um, the uh i felt that the um the way they use the force in the in in this was was great to see it change it was it was basically a, an update which every mo- again every movie needs to add something new to the mythos 
Um, Space Ghost Leia was totally fine, in my opinion. It was just shot really oddly. It, it was. <laughs> like, the concept of it is really simple. Leia just simply pulls herself toward the ship. I mean, that's no different than lifting a rock. It, it's mm -hmm. the exact no, same no, I get force. It. I get it. But it the just way looks it was really shot was weird. Like, it was just bizarre. Like, I didn't quite get, like, she was like, sparkle Twilight Leia. And I was like, what? But the scene itself, I didn't have a problem with. Um, it was just the way it was shot, or the idea I didn't have a problem with. The way it was shot in the scene just really struck me as odd. Um, oh, yeah, I don't think I care about the concept as much as that. It just really, yeah, yeah right. It, it felt looked, weird. Yeah, so like that, you know, it, 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 yeah. So anyway, that part was weird. But the, um, the, uh, projected the image, projecting the image was, was oh, used yeah. to great effect. I mean, this, this movie, watching it, I mean, the audience like started screaming and clapping and hollering like four or five times in this movie. And I don't think that happened. The only time it happened in The Force Awakens when Han and Chewie came on board the Falcon and said, Chewie, we're home. Which isn't a great scene. You're just happy to see characters. That's not an actual storytelling cheer. That's a nostalgia cheer. This movie had multiple, holy shit, that just happened. Let's scream about it. Mm -hmm. Um Luke brushing off his shoulder after the entire First Order militia bearing down on him and unloading on him. What a perfect way to send off that character. Just like it, and it was such a great story arc because Luke is beaten down and he spent the past 15 years hating himself for letting down his nephew, his sister, the galaxy, everything. He's, de he's defeated. He and Rey have this back and forth and Ray basically bails on him. And let's be honest, Ray's kind of wrong in the situation. She has this bug up her ass that she's going to go save Kylo. She doesn't. She actually mm -hmm. makes it worse. And that's one thing people are overlooking that Ray kind of fucks up. Mm -hmm. Like Kylo's irredeemable now. And she's the one who did that. Like she yep. gave him the impetus to kill Snoke and take that step into big bad territory. Um, but Luke, after seeing all this and realizing what's happening, he puts on his big boy britches and he saves the rebellion, including his sister. Mm -hmm. And he does it in such a spectacular fashion that it's such a great way to send out the character. It is. I mean, of course, we're going to see Mark Hamill again as Luke oh, in yeah. the last movie, certainly because the uh, because of the Force. Um, but one but, one thing I want to add on to that is that, and the way Luke does it is just a masterstroke, in my opinion, of storytelling. Because the whole thing about Luke in this movie is he's lost faith in the Jedi Order. He's lost faith in faith in the dogmatic principles of this black and white everything. And you watch the previous films and, you know, the prequels, the Jedi Order are, you know, peacekeepers of the galaxy who become generals in a war. They forget their own mission. They forget what they're supposed to be there doing. You know, Yoda says, you know, a, a Jedi only attacks in defense, never in aggression. You know, what, you know that, mm. that mythos of the Jedi of being warrior monks but never pursuing a fight. So what does Luke do? 
he puts a projection of himself on the crate so that he doesn't even fight. He just distracts them. I mean, it's the ultimate form of pacifism, which is what the Jedi are supposed to be about. It's just genius, in my opinion. Well, and the uh, and he, uh, in doing so, he's able to bring out Kylo Ren's character. I mean, that whole scene is about Kylo Ren, now the leader of this. Is we get to see that he is. We already know that he's unhinged, mm-hmm. um, but we get to see him just be obsessed. Um, the uh, and watching him, watching him just be. The this the the one who everybody in that in there is like, man, am I on the right side? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. Right. Um, the uh, watching that happen is, I mean, we are truly seeing how. I mean, he is just so gone and angry that um, we now. Th- this is actually watching the the first first order lose. Watching him, watching him lose it, is mm-hmm. the for, is the first order losing. Yep. The, uh, um, and you know, I, I think it was, I think it was great in that scene that the uh, the Millennium Falcon, Millennium Falcon does its 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 great moment is before the climax this time. Mm-hmm. You know, the uh, uh, we get to watch it. You know, lead the ships away. The uh, and the and the one great hilarious line that needed yes. to be said for the longest time. They hate, they hate that, that ship. ship. <laughs> yes. Do you think it'll work? Yes, they hate that ship. Such, I mean, it's one of those meta comments that the audience it's it's paying tribute to what came before without getting your head up the ass of what came before, and it's just such a beautiful little comment that it's like. The Force Awakens had a similar one when Kylo's throwing the shit fit and the two stormtroopers walk around the corner and then just turn around and walk away when they mm-hmm. hear the lightsaber going off. They're like, no, we want no part of this. You know, it's one of those nope. great nope. little Listen. moments. Nope. Something needs patrolling over here. Yep. <laughs> we know how this goes. It doesn't go well for us. We're out. Um, the <clears throat> Oh, it's 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 great. I think that you know, it's almost like the, the Millennium. There's there is one thing in Star Wars that only at the la- end of the last movie can it fall apart, almost like the Blues Mobile at the end of the Blues Brothers. The uh, and that's the Millennium Falcon. Yep. The uh, it's like it, it, there is it, it. You know, you can almost kill anything. That ship it, it is is so iconic mm-hmm. uh, that. And what well, it's iconic yet not in, not um, integral. Yeah, it's so there's no reason to destroy it, but there's every reason to keep using it. Yes. Yeah, you know it's 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 flavor. It's what it it's, is. It is beautiful flavor, but it is almost the icon of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. The uh, oh, by the way, when everybody was talking talking about things that don't make sense, or like oh, why wouldn't you just put a you know. Uh, a light, you know, uh, light space drive, you know, mm-hmm. light speed drive on a rock. Let's just remember, we're still in the same movie series where giant walking tanks exist. Yes, in in the same in the same place where people make giant hovering things that hover over land. Yeah, except um, this time they're they're not dogs, they're gorillas. Yeah, 
Adats make no None sense at all. all. They're the they most are, illogical thing ever. They, they're ridiculous. The 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 ATSTs make way more sense. Still kind of silly, but they make more sense. Adats Adats are the worst. Uh, the uh, the worst return on investment yes. for any army in that entire series doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so so let's just so let's just calm down a second. And always know that we're gonna see stupid shit yep. that we just buy as being awesome. Yep. The uh, because when you see the line of adats firing at the image of Luke Skywalker. It's still kind of cool. <laughs> yep, it's super cool, and you're really into it. Oh, speaking of cool things that we have not touched on at all, Ryan Johnson brought back the best kind of Yoda. Yeah, Puppet Yoda. Puppet Yoda, who's silly, eccentric, and wise. And the fact that he's not Ray, but Yoda's actually probably the catalyst of Luke's return to glory. Um, and it's, it's, it's again, within the fabric of Star Wars, it's one of those just beautiful moments that ties together a lot of things because I don't think it's only, I think Ryan Johnson put a lot of thought into this film and I hope I'm just not projecting these things onto it. Um, Yoda, probably more than any other character in the Star Wars universe because he was 900 years old and so incredibly smart and wise realizes that he failed the galaxy probably more than anyone else by doing those things like getting involved in a war by running and hiding by not giving luke the tools he needed to um you know basically rebuild from the ashes and so he he shows up and luke's like i'm gonna burn it down yoda's like have at it do it and then luke's like i don't know so yoda's like fuck you i'll do it then because yoda <laughs> knew that what luke had the right idea but luke was still too caught up in this impossible glory that he was unable to achieve so yoda said well if we're going to move forward from this point we do need to burn it down and I'm going to be the one to do it. Which, which, which so appropriately happens in this movie. Absolutely. It's like, it would not have, this is not something you could do in the last movie. Is this movie where you say, you know, the, where this, this theme, this is this one point where you say this entire movie is about destroying everything old. Yep. So. And having uh, Yoda do it because it's just, it, again, it fits the character. It's exactly what Yoda would do because, I mean, Yoda surely realizes that he failed the Jedi Order more than anyone else. And that maybe on top of his failing, the Jedi Order wasn't worth saving. You know, it has some inherent flaws in it. So as we as we hopefully move somewhat closer to the end of this marathon mm-hmm. that we call this podcast... Um, what would you say are, um, what would you say worked the most and what would you say fell flat? Okay. What, um, start with what fell flat, um, because I still have a couple bullet points. Um, 
that I can easily reference for that. Um, the humor started to wear thin on me. Um, it's not that I thought it was bad. It just felt like if you cut 30 or 40% of your weakest jokes, it would make the remaining 50%, 60% stronger. Like the Porg doing the Chewbacca roar, which is glorious. Loved it. Um, <laughs> you know, that was great. I, 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 you know, the, we, we haven't mentioned the Porg to this point. No. Um, they were appropriately used flavor. Yep. Uh, um, the, uh, luckily, they, they were one of those things that if you use them probably just five, you know, two minutes more, it would have been they would have been uh, overused and annoying. And I think that's why the uh, Chewbacca joke works so well is because you hadn't really seen the Porgs in 20 or 30 minutes at least. Um, so that, that you kind of forgot they exist. And then and when he comes and, and, back, you, it's great. It's a surprise. And evidently, evidently they get over one of their own being eaten, uh, being cooked yep. by uh, by something somebody pretty fast because yep. they're like, yeah, now we're your friends. <laughs> like, you cook him? Ah, fuck him. <laughs> we yeah, didn't like him. We didn't anyway. like him anyway. <laughs> it's like that, um, the guy uh, on crate, the uh, resistance trooper who puts his finger down, tastes it and goes, salt? Who does that, dude? <laughs> Seriously, you're on an alien planet you've never been on? You're like, oh, there's some stuff on the ground. I think I'm going to taste it. <laughs> what? No, that's the worst idea in the world. You're already undermanned. You could just lose a guy right there. <laughs> anyway, but um, so the humor just, I felt like, you know, a, a certain percentage of the joke could have just been cut. And it, it just would have made what was left stronger. Um, Phasma, I hope she comes back for nine because she's Finn's boogeyman, and I get that. But it, it just. She felt like Boba Fett again, where you're like, you, you put in a lot of energy into creating this cool character who doesn't do a lot but then you don't let them do really anything and she doesn't need to be some big integral part of the plot or anything like that but she just kind of needs to do something well and ultimately the uh, her she becomes more impressive or more important the more important finn is Mm-hmm. And yep. if Finn, if Finn's character is not coming off as important as he should be, then she doesn't come off as important as she should really be. Really good point. Yep. So, so I'm hoping yeah. that she comes back for nine and then she gets to square off with Finn proper. Yeah. It's uh, because honestly, she's a more interesting character than Hux. Um, the, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, Hux, who is. Who is unfortunately, I, I mean, probably one of the other things that's annoying about the uh, is is Hux's. Uh, yeah, he's incompetent. Hux is too. He's too incompetent. Yep. Um, and I don't think that that's. Uh, I don't think that that works in the series' favor. Mm-mm. So we can't have two. We can't have two incompetent people at the at the head of the first order. No. <laughs> one who just destroys everything, and the other one who is just a sycophant. Yep. Um, so let's see. Um, the last one isn't really something that fell flat so much. 
because um, we already talked about the Finn Canto bite scene, which I thought fell kind of flat, and unfortunately so, because it could have been so vital to the film. Um, is that something needs to be explained about Ray? Like, and I'm hoping that we will at some point be given a reveal of why The Force Awakens is called The Force Awakens, because Ray is just rapidly gaining power. And if you explain, we don't know. It, if we... you explain it in episode nine, totally fine. I get it. You you need to give me like two seconds of explanation for why this one person can beat somebody like Kylo Ray or fight them to a standstill. Um, or Kylo Ray, Kylo Ren. Kylo Kylo Ray would be their uh, celebrity couple name. Exactly. Um, you know, you you just need to give me something there, and as long as you do it in the third film, totally fine. Uh, it's just, I have a lot of theories about what you could do with that. That would be really cool, but that would take me twenty minutes to explain. I'm not going to do that. Um, now, things that worked. Um, everything about Luke. <clears throat> um, God, almost everything about Poe. I, I, I just, I really like the advancements of those characters. Um, the, oh, the force communication across the galaxy of Kylo and Rey, I thought was, it worked really well. Again, Ryan Johnson going back to Star Wars. He's going back to that twin thing that Star Wars, you know, uses connected people connected people. connected people in some way where kylo and ray even though they're not related are kind of forming a very different version of the luke and leia you know duality and i thought that everything to do with them worked well including you know kylo's ultimate turn to being permanently the bad guy to raise naivete to thinking she could save him yeah, I I think it was it, it it was one of those conversations that unfortunately seemed like it had to they had to find a way to make that ha that conversation happen over time, and that seemed like the only way that they were going to be. It's like use yeah. the force to have this conversation between these two characters happen, so it all doesn't just bunch up in one conversation when they finally somehow meet in person mm -hmm. again. Yep, that's that's uh, so I think it was the necessity that drove that that communication oh definitely um, and you you were johnson was able to use both characters and advance their individual plots along with their mutual plot all in you know in a series of very short scenes yeah well and, and i think what's is great about too is is still keeping those characters on their respective sides for the most part um the uh, I think that the the uh, the thing about Ray is is we never see Ray as tempted. Mm -mm. Ray is Ray Ray is still is is a good character who is who is in standing in standing a counterpoint to um, the, the entire Skywalker family. Yeah, she's Obi Wan to the Skywalker family. 
basically. Yeah, she she is actually not conflicted. Mm-mm. She she sees that this is that this is a battle for the light to win, um, and this is and uh, the the uh, even when confronting the dark side, she doesn't see anything there. Mm-hmm. The it is she says it, it's 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 empty. Mm-hmm. The uh, so she sees what they what you know the Skywalkers didn't see. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's uh, that's why I felt that that the uh, that conflict between those two characters was so great is because the uh, this whole time you almost said that no Ray is never going to turn no the uh, no they you know they think that they can turn her you know for brief you know Kylo thinks he can turn her but he's completely he he is delusional yeah in that. Uh, Snoke knew that she wasn't going to turn. Um, but the, uh, so it's kind of a, it's, it's an interesting counterpoint that she is, she is finally the, she's kind of the pure character of this. Yeah. But, you know, she, <clears throat> so yeah, that, I think that definitely worked. Um, yeah. And I mean, I could, we've talked about a lot of the other stuff that I thought worked, but those were really the main, main points that I thought really turn the movie from yeah, a Star Wars movie to a really good Star Wars movie. Yeah, I, I, I agree with those. I mean, mine, mine are the, uh, my major ones we talked about those earlier was mainly that it, it, it certainly surprised, surprised us. Oh yeah. And so the, many times. And then, and then again, I, I still love the fact that the, the quick, the quick cavalier plan doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. This uh, and which is the something that has been so integral to Star Wars. Yeah, improvisation <laughs> does not work. Yeah, yeah, improvisation in this case, and which why I'm so sad that we lose Laura Dern's character. We lose Haldo because we're just introduced to this character who looks easily like you could carry that character into the next movie, mm-hmm. and then no. Yep. I, I, if anything, that I felt is that, you know, in a scene that works so amazingly well, that's the part that I felt was, um, that it was unfortunately this, the, that feels that the only part that mars that scene at all is that we barely spent any time with Haldo. Yeah. Um, I didn't love Laura Dern in the role. Um, I don't know what it was. She just didn't feel as commanding as I would have liked. Like, Mon Mothma has this air about her where you're like, oh, okay. Um, has something to do with their, the way they stand and her voice. It's just commanding. <clears throat> um, Dern didn't have that for me. Um, but I ultimately liked the character. I just, there's something just, it didn't really click with me. And I, I don't know what exactly to blame for that. Um, but ultimately- it's also also worth noting that the secrecy and, and the secrecy for some of those plans in there is completely unnecessary. Oh, so unnecessary. Like it can nobody just talk to one another. Come on, just for yeah. a couple of minutes. It's, all she ha- all she has to say is see that planet over there. We're trying to sneak closer to that planet. Yep. And then, uh, and then it's like, Oh, Hey, I've got this plan where if we can get aboard this ship, then we could disable this thing. Um, the, uh, like, that, that's that's one of those things that is I, I felt that the way that they they you you're you're, you're kind of not just supposed to not pay attention to it 
Mm-hmm. And this is and this is not technology. This is not anything else. This is simply kind of something that was written in an awkward way. Once you think about it, um, the uh, uh, the it, the mutual ignorance on that side is completely unnecessary. They're on a ship full of people who are all going to die yep. if they don't if they don't get to safety. Let's go ahead and whiteboard some ideas at this point. Yeah, with absolutely no imp- with uh, no. They had not properly sold that that they were suspicious of somebody on the ship giving them away to the Empire. Yeah, that... See, which is the only way you could only make that secret. Where I, you could, I thought about that as well. I was like, well, they, if you have an infiltrator, but then they dis- they got rid of the infiltrator idea almost immediately. Yeah, they didn't sell it. There's mm-hmm. no selling of it. No. So, there, there's, so it really is, it is kind of a... It is a forced forced dramatic point in the movie that is kind of i mean it ends in a very beautiful scene mm-hmm. that is so great um however there's some drama in there that is almost unnecessary and i think they could have put that together better i definitely agree and i think this movie in a nutshell is really a testament to how if how if you just finish up strong you can ignore the weak parts a lot easier oh, yeah. than the Force Awakens that did the opposite. Yeah, the last hour of the Last Jedi is just phenomenal. Oh, I mean, so it good. is one moment of holy shit, is this happening? After another, so well, it, you it, kind of forget a, a lot of that kind of iffy stuff. Well, it's a, there's a half hour of there's a half hour of awesome after the half hour of awesome that you believe is almost it's the, the end. end of the movie. Yep, and you're like, wait, wait, wait. There's more. Um, yeah, I mean, it just keeps going, and you know, so the Force Awakens. I I left the theater a little bit kind of lukewarm on it because the last forty five minutes just weren't very good. Um. But the first hour, hour and a half, was fantastic. Flip well, that. We, 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 because we hadn't been there the first time. The, we'd been there before in the end of The yep. the Force Awakens. Everything that's new, we love. Yep. Everything that's old, we're... Yeah, kind of, yeah, seen this whatever. Yep. Where The Last Jedi yeah. did the opposite, which leaves you walking out of the theater like, holy shit, that was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, see you around, kid. You know, I mean, yeah, so many great moments like that. Well, um, it, it's because when they bury that, when they bury the knife in in Kylo Ren's defeat, they bury that knife. Oh, yep. I mean, yep. they it's it is you. I'm um, you're honestly really curious. It's like, what the hell does Kylo Ren do now? Yeah, does he actually he just, just take down one of the ATM sixes with his lightsaber because he's so mad? Does he does does he just does he just spend I mean, I have to wonder if they're going to be, they're, they're going to play because the the Empire and the First Order have always been this sort of united front of things, right? Mm-hmm. Like they are, you know, it's behind the Emperor. We're behind the Emperor, you know, and then or we're behind Snoke. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I have to imagine that if you don't do this, you're kind of it's going to kind of be silly. Kylo Ren has to lose part of his power. Like he has to lose like the first order at some point has to fraction. Yeah. Has, has to has to has to break. And I don't know how you write that into a movie. But it seems like it almost has to happen, doesn't it? 
It kind of does, yeah, because it, like, you can only imagine the pure rage that he is after Luke basically not only shows him up, but just insults the shit out of him the entire time. I mean, he just humiliates well, yeah. him. Yeah, the uh, you know he you know uh, basically takes his giant to chase a giant shit and then buries Kylo Ren's face in it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's absolutely perfect. But now you have a character who is totally unhinged with no, absolutely no concept that he is going to moderate at some point. No, so you, and I think episode nine is going to have to have a pretty long gestation period time-wise. I can't mm-hmm. see it happening, you know, well, fewer think, than five I, years um, from the end of The Last Jedi. Well, I think that you almost have to, you, I think you, th- this is, series has, uh, this series has been not just a journey for Ray, but a journey for him as well. Oh, absolutely. And I, and I think we need to see, the, we need to see hit part, a little bit more of his journey into being the, the, this ultimate villain that is somehow, def, you know, defeated at the, at the end of the end of the movie. You know, however that defeat takes, what form that takes, um, we need to see him finish his, he's not finished his development. Ray has almost finished her development into, into the good Jedi. I mean, she's mm-hmm. passed several challenges at this point that puts her, you know, and, and again, this final challenge where she has to put herself opposite Kylo Ren. So now we, we, we can see her. Everything, everything that she does from this point is just getting better at her job. Yep. But we still had to make she, we still had to finish the journey of her finding out what her job was. Kylo Ren has not finished his journey <clears throat> to finding out what his job is yet because he's still a a in relatively incomp- a pretty much incompetent leader of a of an entire you know nation. <laughs> I mean. He, he he's uh we can't buy him as that yet no not at all so we need we need some work we need he needs some work probably more he needs more than ray does yeah um, absolutely so we're gonna definitely need some quality kylo ren time at the beginning of the next movie yeah i agree so we'll see i mean it's a, it's a big challenge i think they left themselves uh, a lot to do in one movie they really did yeah, they really but did. they accomplished they accomplished a lot in this movie in what is actually a relatively small story. Um, there's not there's no I mean, huge galactic battles or anything. No, no, it's mostly one ship running away for most of the mm-hmm. period of time. The uh, I mean some other ships, but you know really one ship. They uh, um, and then the rest of that is what kind of just going on elsewhere. You know while this is happening. Yep. So um, anyway, I think we've made our podcast yeah. at least over half the size of the movie itself. Yeah. Oh um, yeah. We, we cleared over half the movie easily. Um, so yeah, yeah. I'm i I'm wearing down a little bit here. So now you, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. You, you, you haven't run out of star Wars stuff. You're just tired, right? No. Oh, yeah. No, I'm, I'm just saying I'm physically tired. I'm not actually okay. done talking to star Wars, but okay. I'm just going to shut it down because I'm actually tired. Just making sure, just making yep. sure we're we're that's where we're at because I, I don't want your legacy 
as a, a <laughs> Star Wars nerd in any way damaged that somebody think that he cannot stand, you know, have the wherewithal to stand in a true Star Wars discussion. Right. But, um, yeah, so I, it's just, I can't wait to see it again. Mm-hmm. Um, I oh, haven't yeah. had a chance to get I'll back to the to theater, it. but I'm going to see it again at, at first opportunity. Yeah, it's great. I want to see it again, definitely. This is one of those where, you know, be bored at home at some point once we can get our hands on it and then uh you know eh, i'll watch this again <laughs> I'll, I'll go see it again in the theater for sure i just haven't I, but I want to i just need to find find time to do it sure which i was just funny because i have more time than you um so it's probably a flat that excuse probably doesn't work really well when talking to you um but um so anyway so yeah we'll be back whenever we get around to reading some comics but me having a an infant in the house doesn't mean I have much time, and being sick for half of December has been real awesome. So that's about it. You have anything else to talk about? No, yeah. no, no. I think I think we've we've made this plenty long enough. Yeah, we sure um, And especially for something that is not a comic book, or well, hmm. you know, anything that you know, this is definitely something that everybody has heard about. Yeah. So thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. Be sure to drop us a line at countercomic at gmail.com. You can visit our website at schlockworks.com where you can view our podcast archives or check in on our other projects or swing by iTunes or Stitcher and give us a review. That's all I have for today. I'm Brock Beauchamp. Uh, the funniest thing is I did tell my wife this podcast would take about 40 minutes. Right. Just, yeah. So, okay. Um, so, yeah, I'm Nick Kempsing. Okay, bye, everybody. Bye.